0: And this is what I say to people, right? You could be the best builder, tiler, whatever. You could you could be winning awards left, right and centre for the quality of your work, quote unquote, right? Um, and you could still fail in business because it's you're not going to be rewarded, especially in 2019, for being the best craftsman. There's plenty of starving yeah. artists around, right?
1: In episode 13 of Trademarks 120 Grit podcast, we sit down with Warwick Bidwell. Warwick comes from a family of traders and builders, however for most of his life he watched them all flog themselves day in and day out without seeing much, if any, success in business.
2: Warwick's vision is to help as many tradies get off the tools and into true business ownership as he can. So they build a business that pays them an income, whether they turn up to work or not, and to create an asset or a legacy to provide them and their families with a quality of life only dreamed of by many. But first, here's a message about our legendary sponsors who make this podcast for the working class possible. QuoteSpec is the newest building and construction quoting app created and designed by working builder.
1: Produce job winning professional quotes in minutes with QuoteSpec's cloud based quoting software. Get your free trial at www.quoteSpec.com and be prepared to get your life back. Get it back. Get it, get it. B-b-b-b-b-yuck. Thanks, Rossi. Righto, welcome to um, Trademuts 120 Grit, a podcast for the working class. Episode 13, we've got a legend in the studio today, putting Ed and I both to shame, because he's a level one CrossFit trainer. <laughs> he's bulging out of his shirt over there. He's He's also the founder of Tradies in Business and is quite a well renowned podcaster himself. Welcome, Warwick Bidwell.
0: Thanks, mate. That was very formal, actually. Yeah, it was a bit too formal, wasn't it? it it's the working like was class talking podcast to my podcast, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Was is uh, what everybody calls me, mate. Was. Yeah. Was actually,
2: is, we were the first people. Your podcast is the first podcast we were ever on.
0: Well, you can thank there my wife for that. Really? Yeah, she um, saw you guys online somewhere, I think, Instagram or something. I think you were fully clothed at the time. <laughs> and uh, she said, oh, you should check out these these trademark guys. They're doing some stuff with like mental health and that. And we'll obviously talk about it today, but it's something that I'm very passionate about and have a personal experience with. And and I, at the time, I was toying with the direction of my podcast, and I thought, oh, I want to do more stuff like you guys are doing with 120 Grits. So yeah, it, it was Amy's fault that I'm now sitting here with you. <laughs> That's right. Bloody <laughs> perfect. You know,
1: bugger, but we met on the podcast that was not in person. Obviously, it was over yeah. over, over the airwaves, and then... Had a little encounter in in the in the car park. At Dan Murphy's <laughs> up in Toowoomba. Oh, we did. That was sort of there, loading some ice in the back of the car, and wearing our trademark shirts. And a familiar voice said, Oi. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> I know you blokes." I was I was trying to hide, but again, got to blame the wife. She's like, "Hey, there's the trademark blokes. You should go talk to them." Push the, push me in the back. <laughs> Get over there. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, mate, thanks for coming in. No pleasure. I'm excited to have a chat to, to you. This, yeah. Uh, it, there's. A
1: A lot of different things we'll cover today, which we're pretty excited about. Yeah. Do you want to, should we start with a little brief of tradies in business and sort of what that is and how you got into that and then
0: we'll dive into some other stuff. Sure, mate. Sure. Look, uh, I guess tradies in business came out of the idea from nearly 12 years now of of business coaching uh, and that morphed into just working with tradies and I realized that basically I can't impact as many people as I want to just by doing it one-on-one. So I had to do something that was going to reach more trade business owners and actually make more of an impact on families in Australia and obviously the mental health piece as well. And so I had a bit of a chop at this a few years ago with someone else. It was called something different. Um, Didn't really take off just differing views within the partnership. I'm sure you blokes have never had an argument about uh, the direction of the the business We haven't had one today. It's (laughs) (laughs) It's been at least 24 hours. It's only 11.30. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, Tradies in Business was, even the name itself was like, I was trying to come up with something cool, you know, like something marketing-y and fancy. And then it was like, i just friggin' call it what it is. It's about tradies in business, you know, cause that simple. Yeah, exactly. Keep it simple. No guesswork. <laughs> so this is really, you know, we've, we've been up and running for 12 months now and we're starting to get a bit of traction, but basically um, just wanting to get uh, some knowledge and awareness out to as many trade business owners as I possibly can. So they don't end up like my old man. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and that's really what tradies in business is all about. It's, 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 getting tradies to be as good at the business piece as they are at their trade. That's, that's, I mean, that's the tagline essentially.
1: Yeah. Right. Makes so you friend. mentioned
0: your old man. So what's the, what's the story there? Yeah. Dad was a builder. He's certainly not anymore. Um, and we were chatting before you hit. Is that because the he was so successful button. and he's retired? And <laughs> yeah, he's, he's retired. He's got his 53 foot Riviera and <laughs> yeah, no, that's a crock of shit. <laughs> um, to be honest, dad's stuffed. He's, uh, I saw him, uh, for father's day recently and, uh, it's really hard to see the guy that used to have guns bigger than mine, you know, always be flexing. <laughs> but uh, you know, Dad Dad was strong. He was only a short bloke, he was five foot four. Um, but he always had these these big arms, you know, I remember these big, strong arms and his chest and he was just this nuggety little bastard that you know, he was he was uh, trying to cut the mustard with bigger blokes on building sites and so he was a builder all his life and used to be a shed foreman, you know, putting up the big industrial sheds and all that sort of stuff. Bit of a jack of all trades, you know, he did his own uh, plumbing and electrical back in the in the 60s and 70s when you still could do that sort of stuff. Uh, but at 77 now, you know, I saw him on Father's Day and he can't walk from one end of the house to the other without needing to stop for a rest. He's on an oxygen machine, he's got, you know, heart issues going on. No one knows what it is, but you know it's probably from sucking in uh, spray paint and, and uh, silica dust and all that for years. And he, he hasn't got two dimes to rub together. You know, Him and mum own their little renovated house uh, on the Downs, the, the Darling Downs. They've got a shitty old Commodore, and they just, uh, I just sold their caravan for him because they needed the cash. No super, no life insurance, nothing, no savings. And um, that's it. He's, they're just surviving on an age pension. So it's, it's such a shit thing to see when I know he busted his ass his whole life in a quote unquote business, um, but never actually created a legacy, you know, he's, he's not going to leave anything behind for me and my brother. It's just, it's just all going to go with him. Yep. So yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's a big motivation for me with doing what I do with Tradies in Business and, and the work that I do with trade business owners is they're all sitting on this amazing opportunity you know it's like i see these guys and 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 women in the trades now as well you know the trades used to be like a second rate option when i was at school i wanted to go on the tools with my dad i wanted to be a builder i used to lay before him as a young bloke apart from getting yelled at a whole lot um what are you doing that for i bloody told you about that uh but i wanted to go on the tools and and be a builder um my grandfather was a builder his grandfather was a builder uh my uncles were all trades uh my grandfather on the other side was a motor mechanic which was my second choice hated school um i got well they call it bullying now but i got picked on a lot because i was i was a, a little fella didn't have the guns <laughs> i wasn't packing heat <laughs> back then but uh but yeah i hated school I i just i had no mates i got picked on a hell of a lot i didn't like being there i suffered a lot of uh i guess you know, probably anxiety and depression as a young bloke, although it was all undiagnosed back then. I was just, I was just a little guy that got picked on a lot and I didn't like going to school. Yeah. Mm. So I wanted to leave school at 15 and get a trade because that was what I actually enjoyed doing and I was good at it. I was pulling lawn mowers apart when I was 12 years old and, you know, dad would give me old mowers to fix and that was where I was happy. Bookwork and stuff just, it just gave me the shits, but I was really good at it because I spent all my time hiding from the big buggers at school yeah. <laughs> in the library, you know, because they yeah. didn't hang out there. Um, So yeah, I ended up going to university and studying business and and not doing a trade, which I wouldn't say I resent my parents' decision for that because I try not to resent too many things in life or too many people, but I definitely, you know, I wistfully wonder if I'd gone into a trade, would I have actually built a business, you know, a building company and had employees and left a legacy and... You know, I had that dream that I guess so many people have when they go into their trade business. And uh, I guess I've just come at it from a different direction. So I get to hang out with plumbers and electricians and builders and stuff now. And have uh, to get your
2: hands dirty, mate.
0: And I don't have to do the hard work, yeah. I can just sit in a cushy office like you blokes. Air-conditioned, you know, hot women bringing you drinks. Like, you know, it's a piece of cake. Soft <laughs> it's hand scenario, Just man.
1: like the Muthut. Just like the Muthut. Like <laughs> <laughs> <Except laughs>
0: it's Dan bringing me drinks. <laughs> yeah, a bit in hot. In the short I'm shorts, hot. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you come from a long line of builders. Yeah, yeah. So it's in yep. your blood. Oh, absolutely. But your old man didn't want you to get a trade.
0: No. Nah. He he was dead against it, hey.
1: So Is that
2: because he wasn't doing it properly himself and couldn't see? Absolutely. Yep. The, yeah. Yep. Opportunity. Yep.
0: So do you want to tell my story, mate? No, nah, nah, a pretty sorry, good job <laughs> I think it's a secret to success for guests is take the piss out of the host of a podcast. Oh, you've you've done it now Yes, right? yeah, you've done yeah. it now. Yeah. I agree. That's how mine starts. <laughs> I'm glad well. Ed was on the end of it <laughs> <and> not me. <laughs> No, like dad's, dad's dad, so my grandfather, he actually built a lot of buildings in um, PNG, Papua New Guinea around the wartime. Um, and so I've got these memories of of seeing black and white photos of my grandfather, you know, building like old school timber construction um, up in PNG back in the 40s. No nail guns? Uh, they, they weren't called nail guns back then. They were nails on the end of guns. Like, you know, maybe that's why I've got the guns. Behind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I'm a dad, so i got plenty of dad jokes. Yeah, no dramas. You'll fit in ones. well around here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I, you know, when it came time to sort of talk about, well, what are you going to do when you leave school? I was like, well, I want to be a builder or a mechanic. And it's like, no, you're not. You're going to, you're going to university. I'm like, I don't want to go to university. It wasn't, this conversation wasn't quite that succinct, but mm. that was the essence of it. Like mm. dad's whole experience with the trades was working his tail off and never having any money you know he expressed to me a a couple years ago um tears in the eyes he basically almost broke down he said you know he just has always felt bad that he didn't provide for for my brother myself and my mother the way that he always wanted to and like you can just see that he's gutted about it and he can't do anything about it now you know he's 77 years old and that's it those those cards have been played and so his idea was that if I went into the trades, I'd be broke and physically stuffed for the rest of my life because yeah. that was his experience with it. And that was the experience of a lot of trades people, quote unquote, back then because the ticketing system, you know, it, wasn't, it was a second rate option. If you were no good at school, you did a trade because yeah. at least you could go and work your ass off and make some money. And that's how he got into the trades in the first place. You know, he, he came from a pretty rough childhood, broken home, alcoholic father, seven brothers and sisters, you know, he was beaten and abused as a young bloke and kicked out of home when he was 15. And <clears throat> so what did he do? Went and work with his hands because he was no good at schoolwork. Whereas I was the opposite. I was good at school. So he went, oh, here's the opportunity for my son. Here's his ticket out. Yeah. You know, but by the time I went to university, trades were starting to actually be, it's a profession. Oh, yeah. You know, professional do plumbers, professional sparkies, professional builders, I mean it is a, oh, an, an integral part are. of the
1: whole system. And we're stuck we to them. Yeah yeah yeah. And you can't yeah. hide behind now yeah, with marketing, everything's on social media. You can't hide behind, you know. It's all you're out there, your reputation's everything and totally. you need to be proud of your work because there's competition in business and there's plenty of competition
0: in the trades, that's for sure. Absolutely. And I was chatting to someone the other day, doing a trade is now a first option. It's like it's the more sensible, more attractive option for a lot of people coming through school. And you, so this this guy actually said, oh, you know, if I, if I don't get into a trade, I'll probably do a university as a fallback. <laughs> and I was like, and here I yeah. was thinking university back in the, the was, early 90s was my ticket to freedom. I was going to get the cushy job and the big salary and the reality was very, very different to that. I yeah. couldn't
1: agree with that more and I think – if I had my time again, I would do everything exactly the same. Getting a trade straight out of school was the best thing I ever did because not only was I learning a powerful, you know, good skill at that time that will always be useful, but I learned more about myself mm. than, than you know, I ever could have otherwise because that life experience, going to work, getting up that same time every day and turning up working hard, it just instills a work ethic in you that is priceless and, you can always go back. You can. You can fall back on a uni degree, right? Yeah. It's just, you go <laughs> get an, an arts degree. Yeah, yeah you can't yeah. get an apprenticeship. You know, when your when your body starts to fail, but you could always get a degree when you you know when, when things sort of break down. I guess. So. Yeah, totally.
0: And it's it's hard. Look, I've I've actually toyed with the idea over the, over the last sort of five years. I've had a few personal changes going in my life, and uh, I thought, you know what, maybe this is the time for me to go and do an apprenticeship. You know, I've I've lost everything it doesn't matter if I go back to making 30, 40 grand a year or something like that, maybe now's the time for me to go and do an adult apprenticeship. And and one of the things that stopped me from doing that was actually thinking about the number of people that I wouldn't impact doing what I do now. Yeah. And and actually, you know, even sitting on this podcast today, just hopefully sharing a story that will touch someone, but more than one person, you know, it might touch two or three people. And yeah. to me, that's, that's what I... Am driven by in in business, quote unquote. Yeah, most so. definitely. That's awesome. So, where'd you go to? Where, where'd you go to uni? So I uh, born in Canberra, um, six years old. Mum and dad packed up, and moved to Queensland because dad's back was already starting to give him grief and his joints. And you know, back then they said, "Oh, it's the cold weather. You need to move to a warmer climate." So moved to this little tiny uh, backwater called the Sunshine Coast in Queensland back in 1979. And um, promptly set up shop on the two and a half acres that they bought, uh, basically over the phone, because there was no internet, obviously back then. You couldn't just Google the block and have a look yeah. at, uh, you know, the street view. Wow. <laughs> so you know, packed me and my brother up, moved to Queensland, set up a caravan, and Dad promptly went about getting work. Um, was doing labouring work for some local guys while building our house. Two and a half years we lived in a caravan. The bathroom was a garden shed, and uh, and I remember boiling the old vicola urn like it was a, the big like 20 litre stainless steel urn that you see at the bowls club where oh, they get the hot water out of a for cup for, for cups of tea that was what we did to heat the water up for the bath for two and a half years going to school locally so yeah grew up on the sunny coast um did uni in brisbane here uh, good old bris vegas uh studied business majored yep. in accounting boring as magic <laughs> and uh, came out of that, and probably went and got a job with a building supplies company because I wanted to be in the industry, yeah, right? Right. So I went and worked for Monia Roof Tiles at that stage. Um, okay. They got bought out by PGH and then CSR. So I did a couple of years um, with that company, and then um, hated accounting. And I was sick of Brisbane. Brisbane. Back to the coast, chasing a bit of skirt, and <laughs> uh, took a job as a sales rep to the building industry so my mum literally cried when i when i rang her to say oh i've got this really good job you know i'm i'm going to be working as a sales rep repping to the building industry thinking you know mum would be like oh great you're in the industry again you know she's like oh my gosh you're walking away from your career as an accountant i'm like yeah that's the point i uh, freaking hate it <laughs> yeah, 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 how funny yeah yeah so uh so yeah did that for nearly six years actually um all around queensland you know talking to builders and developers and putting white goods into houses and stuff for them so that was kind of cool And then fell into financial planning back to the books more study um took over a firm so i was in financial planning for about seven or eight years working with a lot of small business owners mums and dads helping them with their debts and all that sort of stuff and it was 2007 so just before the gfc um i was sick of the planning i was working my but off in a business where i was doing most of the work and getting paid the least amount of money right and uh, i actually i got a business coach in to help us out myself and my business partner and saw so what he was doing was like oh shit this is how i'm gonna actually help people right is like i got all these families that are trying to pay off their mortgage and and do all this stuff and they just got no cash and a lot of them were tradies back then sunny Coast was a lot of tradespeople, and uh it's like why don't you just draw more out of your business mate and it's like Warwick I can't like I can't just pay myself more there's no money in the bank I'm like what's wrong with you man so yeah the solution to me was like that's it I'm gonna sell out I'm gonna be a business coach and that was nearly 12 years ago now yeah uh, wow and most of my clients have been tradespeople because that's what I do right my weekends are doing what tradies do and you know I just they were most of my mates like most of my clients were tradies so yeah that was when I decided it's like you know what I'm just gonna work with tradies it's it's my heritage it's like in you said, your blood. Dan, it's in my blood, mate. In your like, blood. If I can't swing a hammer or, or twirl a screwdriver, then at least I'm going to hang out with people that do. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and, if, and if it all goes to shit, you can always start a second-hand lawnmower business by the sounds yeah. of it. <laughs> I'll
0: just fix old lawnmowers. <laughs> well, funnily enough, my grandfather did that because he was a motor mechanic in Sydney for, for half of his life and uh, retired to put Macquarie down in New South Wales there. And I remember him actually for cash because he was a bit of a unit. Like, he'd, he'd, uh, he didn't mind... Uh, What should we say? Just um, helping some goods change hands for cash here and there that may not have been his. Uh, But basically he he used to race... Power boats and stuff back in the fifties and sixties, and they'd dead set go and knock off engines out of cars parked in the street wow. to put in their race boats. He was a bit of a bit of a unit, but uh, yeah, I remember him fixing lawnmowers for cash. He was on the pension, and he'd do this secretly on the side so that no one found out. And he had all these lawnmowers in the backyard, <laughs> and that was how he paid for the fuel for the boat. And oh man, oh, no thanks. <laughs> good. So you,
2: you live on the Sunshine Coast, and you were married at the time.
0: Yeah, I got uh I got married at 29 ish, I think. The second time. We won't talk about that. First one didn't last very long. Um but that was like my first one was sort of where my my personal experience with mental health and, and suicide um sort of started was as a young bloke at twenty four. Um uh, but yeah, remarried uh at about twenty yeah, eight, twenty nine years of age, something like that. And uh yeah. Lived happily on the sunny coast there for a whole bunch of years up in the Noosa area and, you know, got myself the big acreage property and all that sort of stuff. So life was pretty good, loving the coaching thing, you know, making good money, working with a lot of people, a lot of tradespeople. Um, and then, yeah, things took a bit of a left-hand turn uh, a few years ago for me. So uh, been a bit of a, a reinvention of myself personally.
1: Yeah, right. So you're up there obviously doing business coaching but as we know any type of coaching whether it's for business or or otherwise it's far more than just about your business or your sport or whatever it's this you're managing personalities and life has a whole lot of different sort of components that Mm. all come together and impact Mm. your business and all that sort of stuff so you're sort of seeing a lot of colorful different types of people coming through
0: aren't you oh yeah and you know people think business coaching is about business and there's a lot of people out there who are great at just business right and they're really important skills you guys would know you know running your show how important it is to know what's going on with the money and the marketing and the the people that you you got around you and your partnerships and what's your strategic vision and all that sort of really exciting stuff and all the wank words that go along with it Mm. Um, but that's not enough you know you could be brilliant at all the business stuff and actually still not make it. And honestly, not achieve happiness in life. Yeah. Because that's, that's the thing that I've come to realise the hard way is that amassing nice cars and acreage properties and accolades, uh, you know, expensive watches, all that sort of stuff. They're nice things. Um, but that's not for me personally what success is all about. And it wasn't only about that, you know, I, I was all about family time and health and all that sort of stuff. But I think um, a lot of us talk a lot of talk without really getting it. You know, it's, it hasn't sunk in for a lot of people yet. Yeah. And I, and that's what I really want to try and bring to the table with Tradies in Business and, and the work that I do one-on-one as well is is helping people to get it without having to set fire to everything in their life. Um because I lost all that stuff, I lost the acreage property, I lost the fancy cars, I lost the marriage, you know, access to my kid and everything as we've talked about off air Um, and once I did that, once I lost everything, it was like, yeah, that stuff, some of it was really important to me but most of it was not, you know, it had become important but it was more about me and who I was, you know, who I was as a man, as a, as a, well, then, ex-husband, a father, um, a member of my community, and those things actually are more pivotal, in my opinion, to business success than having the best marketing strategy, the you know the best set of budgets and forecasts—all important things—but without the the people that are driving it actually being in touch with their values, their beliefs, their identity, you know, what's truly important to them and who they are being as a person. I think the rest of it is just short term. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about that, that. journey when you you know your marriage broke down and you know you had a child. How how old was she? So uh,
0: my daughter would have been four when it first fell apart. I mean, it had been happening for years. You know, seventeen year relationship. Things happen gradually, as we know. Um, but yeah, she was she was four years old. Uh, just just turned four after we split. Um, after my ex and I split. So. Yeah, that's that's been one of the hardest things for me is like that's a big cost and the cost is not mine to be paid, the cost is actually being paid by my daughter and that busts me every day. You know, Father's Day recently, she FaceTimed me for Father's Day because she lives in another state of Australia <clears throat> and uh, I I probably only see her three, four times a year in person, max, you know, it's, it's been sort of two to three times a year for the last couple of years and uh yeah. She's paying the price every day for my mistakes, and and that's a really shit thing to to stomach as a dad, especially of a daughter. You know, son, it's no less difficult. But I guess you know that dad daughter thing is yeah, is yeah. um any any dad out there with a daughter will tell you that that it's a pretty hardcore thing, hardcore bond, and just that need to protect and lead my daughter. And I'm not there. You know, she comes home after a boy's given been picking on her, and I'm trying to. Coacher over Facetime on how to deal with it, you know, and it's just it's. And what you a want to do down. is hug her. Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. How do you manage that? How do you look? It it was super hard at the start. I, a big part of it has actually been so I've remarried since, and you know, met the love of my life. So you know, silver lining in in just about every cloud. Um, my wife, my my now wife, has been a huge part of my support. Um, but a lot of it was actually taking ownership, and I had to step up and own. My situation, because the world around me wanted me to blame my ex-wife. You know, they wanted it's me easier to, to do fight. that. Oh, absolutely! Point the finger, and you know she did this, and it doesn't matter how it all came to a head. The fact was, I made a choice. You know, I could have stayed. I could have maybe changed it, been a, become a different man, stayed in that relationship. But I made a choice to to end it, and it became a mutual choice. Um, but in owning all of that, I've actually freed myself from a lot of that that negativity and the bitterness and you know i've gone through another round of that recently where like my ex and i chat a little bit um my wife and my ex-wife both chat um online so they've sort of messaged each other about stuff here and there and um it's it's all come about because of me as a man and the role that i've chosen to actually step into and up until that point life was shit you know i was like I was still bottling my eyes out twelve months ago every so often. Like I'd just I'd be sitting there eating breakfast and it'd just all bubble out and and uh you know, thinking about the fact I haven't seen my daughter for four months and haven't picked her up or, you know, I don't even know what the hell she does from one day to the next. And that was all me. Right? That was just and people were like, No, it wasn't it wasn't all you was, you know. She had a part to play in that as well. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, that's that's all cool. Like we all have a role to play, but my life has been my choice. And all of my choices have created my life. And I think when people do that, especially blokes, um, but anybody, when, when you actually do that, you get this real awesome sense of freedom from all the crap that everyone wants you to believe, that it's not your fault and it's the economy or it's the... You know, it's the changes to the tax law or it's your ex-partner or it's the school system or it's the speed limits on the roads, whatever the hell it is we want to blame or, or, you know, basically deflect that responsibility to. But when you actually own all that shit, it's like, well, if it's mine, I can actually do something about it.
1: It's liberating, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely.
0: So it's hard Mm. and and I don't get it right every day. You know, still got a bit of a leaky face the other day because, you know, Father's Day and not seeing my kid and all that sort of stuff. Naturally. you know, by and large, it's like, well, you know what? Uh, and I said to you fellas, you know, I'm living the dream. You know, I'm, I've, I've met the love of my life. I didn't actually know that a relationship could be that amazing. Mm. Um, so married her, about to build a house, uh, got a great business. You know, I'm hanging out with some cool people. Even you blokes, not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, relationship with my family's sort of taken a, a turn for the better over the last couple of years with my brother and... um. You know, things are okay with the X and, yeah, life's good. I'm fit, That's healthy. I've got guns, you know. Always wanted <laughs> guns. I wish Mate, I had these guns when they, I was 13. At they school, barely fit through the door. Coming <laughs> in it's, it's the cotton on uh, kids. I suppose yeah. a,
2: a, a key takeaway from that part there is that, you know, from the outside looking in, it might look like everything's rosy and everything's, you know, this Warwick Bidwell bloke, man, he's killing it. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's got this woz. awesome ah. business and big was. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. he's got the house, he's got the wife. and yeah. But everyone goes through... Different I, shit in their lives.
0: You you peek behind the uh, the front door at you know seven forty nine on a Thursday night, and as as uh, I heard someone say years ago, you know, I still sit down to take a crap. I still got to put one leg in each leg of the jeans when I put them on in the mornings. You know, they don't just like walk across the room and mm. fly onto my feet. It's like we're all we're all normal in that regard, yeah. right? And and we all fall over and skin our knees in life, and I guess. I've just done it more than some people. And I also did it more catastrophically, I suppose. Uh, you know, like I, I literally lost everything. And uh, I, I almost lost my life through it all as well. Um and it took that, unfortunately for me, because I'm a bit of a thick head, like my dad's a builder, come on. Uh, <laughs> and so was his dad and his dad <laughs> yeah, and his dad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the other side of the family were motor mechanics, so, I mean, you know, really. But, thick as two short <laughs> planks. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it for me it took losing everything to actually wake up and, and wake up to what I had done to create that life.
2: Such a reoccurring theme that, again, like is like peep- people we've had in here and other other people that have got stories you know to tell mm. it's when they hit what their rock bottom is yep to
0: actually go out and, and make a change and everyone's rock bottom is different yeah right? i used to compare my rock bottom to other blokes and you know i'd listen to podcasts and i'd see personalities and you guys have had some amazing guests i've listened to some of your episodes as well like and i still listen to these other guys stories and other people's stories women as well and i think oh wow i've got nothing to complain about Like, that's a really stupid thing to do. But that's not what it's about. No, because, like, I might have had my ranger repossessed and that's it. That's my rock bottom. But for me personally, that could have been the catalyst for change. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't have to be losing everything. It doesn't have to be an attempt on your life. And I think it's really dangerous for any of us to think that we can make our problems better by finding someone who's in a worse situation. Because that doesn't actually change the fact that, for me, what I'm going through is shithouse. Yeah. And it's my rock bottom. Yeah. And I think that's that's another part of that ownership piece, is I've got to own the fact that this is rock bottom for me and what everybody else is going through is irrelevant.
2: And it's also an important part for the other person to understand that what the other person's going through is okay. Like, that would be, yeah, like, you can't come out of that. If, if that's how you're feeling, well, that, that's fine. Let's start working on it. it. doesn't have to be, you know, we spoke about, like, the Greg Inglis thing. Mm. And we had a guest in here, and they're like, oh, Greg Inglis. Like, what's he got to be worried about? You know what I mean? And he's just been going through all this depression, and he's been, you know, hospitalised a couple of times. So, yeah. mate, well, what he's going through,
1: you can't even relate to because it's a completely it's, different life.
0: It's his, not you yours. I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So, Comparing
1: yeah. yourself to yeah. anyone, everyone is, is possibly the biggest downfall in society at the moment. And obviously... Driven by social media and all that sort of stuff, but comparing yourself to anyone else is just the most detrimental thing to your own. Oh, it's so existence. incredibly destructive. Oh, big time.
2: It can have a positive though. It's not all negative. Like looking at, at other people are doing and being like, oh, you know that I could implement some of that. Oh, and I can do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. definitely but, yeah. a, a difference yeah. between
1: being inspired by you know someone else yeah. and, and doing yeah, it. Yeah, right I think that's an that, that, important yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah for sure. Remember.
0: Yeah, it's what I, I in my experience at least, it's what happens after the comparison. You know, I, I do it at the gym. I look at some of the guys. I've got a couple of mates who are just mad crossfitters and, and they're, they're doing stuff that same age, I look at them and just think, how the frigging hell are you doing that? Uh, like, I've been training the same amount of years as you and i automatically compare myself to them. And then I can choose whether to tear myself down and go, oh, well, you know, clearly he's... Better. Or, or be <laughs> a victim. Yeah, well, they, they are better. But... <laughs> But, you know, maybe it's his genes or maybe, you know, just his dad fed him better food or something like that's all just that's crap. Mm, mm, What would be better is to actually celebrate his achievement and say, "Mate, that's frigging awesome. How did you do that? Because I want to like get a bit more of that for me if I can. Yeah. Um yeah. rather than start to, you know, turn the spotlight on the self and, you know, invalidate ourselves or tear the other person down to make us feel better. I think that's the other danger. And and a bit of the Aussie way with the piss take all the time, you know, there's a bit of that tear the other bloke down that's doing better and oh, beats, time. Oh, I think it's that's an easy easy,
2: again, easy, easy
1: road to take. When you when things started to unravel, I guess, in your marriage, were there key indicators and key points you know things that you just could have done differently looking back that that just really contributed to the unraveling
0: of it all yeah there's there's uh there's one word that's really stuck with me through all of it so when when my ex and i um basically (laughs) i'll say decided to separate um the events were were pretty ordinary the way it came about but you know it, it was the catalyst um and she said something to me through, you know, the ensuing weeks are pretty wild. Like, you know, I've got a, a beautiful house on 10 acres in the Noosa hinterland. I've got a daughter, I've got a business, I've got a public profile, you know, I've got European cars in the driveway and all sorts of stuff going on and like all of that. And, and um, you know, I've heard plenty of people describe this and I'm sure, you know, a lot of your listeners could identify, but it's like just all crashes to the ground in an instant. The night I found out what had been going on and, and sort of, you know, there'd been a bit of, I guess, infidelity in in the marriage and um, it was dead set like being hit in the guts by the 7pm out of Roma Street. Like it was just, it felt that physically crushing because um, it was like everything that I'd worked my tail off for, for 15, 20 years just evaporated in that instant. So um, one of the things that, that my ex told me about, you know, why it had come to that was that I'd become indifferent in the marriage. And that word just, like, stabbed me in the chest when she told me that. It was like, I I didn't agree at the time, but I realised looking back now that I had actually become so focused on, you know, making enough money and building a good enough business and providing the good things and the nice things and the holidays. Like, it had become about all of that idea of success and being a coach you know where we're obviously uh quite motivated and positive as a general rule and so you're surrounded by a lot of that sort of culture and i would got really caught up in all of that and it wasn't until you know i basically had a good long look at well what do i need to own what can i take ownership for in this whole thing this whole situation it was like she's right you know i had become indifferent and didn't realize that I had and like for her that was like well she'd lost connection with me so of course she you know felt a bit lost and drifted off looking for significance and someone to pay attention to her and 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 that was actually my doing in a large sense and I think men have a big a big role to play in all of this and you know this is not a, a marriage counseling podcast thank goodness for that uh because <laughs> no one would pay for the advice but uh, <laughs> but I think men men have a lot to to answer for in terms of where some of these things end up you know i I think yeah there's you know equal opportunity and equal rights and all that sort of stuff but men are leaders We're, we're meant to be leaders we were born to be leaders it's it's part of our dna it's wired into us and to sit back and try and do this whole you know equal thing and halvesies thing and i'll probably piss a bunch of people off in saying this but you know, I wasn't leading my family well enough. I wasn't being strong enough. I, I wasn't being decisive enough, and so you know, my ex was carrying the can with some of that stuff, and I think it just wore it down. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, that was probably the big thing, mate.
2: It's easy to make excuses. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that, that's that's a reoccurring thing in I don't know a lot of uh, you know families that have been divorced or relationships that have broken down, and it's yeah, a reoccurring thing that it's. These are all the reasons why, but it, it was you know it wasn't anything to do with me. Yeah. I had nothing to do with it, you know, yeah. like
1: It's it sure, so often bastard. the bl- yeah, so often the blinkers are on, and even just hearing what you were saying about your old man running his business twelve hours a day or whatever longer to keep providing for the family, keep the roof over his head, flogging himself senseless, mm. thinking that he is doing the right thing. That's right. To, to to you know to be the best provider, the best leader that he can be. He's missing the mark and that to him was the most important thing. And then maybe by the sounds of it, you were, you know, in a similar vein, you know, with with what so focused on the business side of things that, you know, for Mm. the same reasons to provide, to keep the roof over the head and to do everything that you think is the right thing to do to build a loving family.
0: And it's not enough. Mm. And it's, it's a story we tell ourselves. And I see this probably, look, I see it with, with anybody in life, a lot of business people tell themselves this story. It's this narrative that runs in their head, and it's it's sadly really prevalent with trades and trade business owners. Is that unless I'm working hard, I'm not of value. I have to be working hard yeah, but what is working to be hard? of value. Exactly. But uh, and I think where that got misapplied for me was working hard was about how much time. Mm generally i put into it and i see so many people just doing shit for the sake of doing shit it's like why why are you spending hours on that like you know trying to work out the right hashtag for your for your instagram feed it's like how is that even important when you've got a missus at home waiting to see you like oh well you know i gotta i gotta put the work in to get the results like no you don't you've got to put the work in but you don't have to put the time in that a lot of people put into their businesses and when you say yes to that you're saying no to something else and, you know, in me saying yes to a whole bunch of time in my business and going away for, for conferences and, you know, networking events at night and all that sort of stuff, I was saying no to connection with my ex. That you gives know? you an excuse, though. Absolutely. And that's why a it's lot of people do it. It's yeah.
2: just like, oh, well, no, I have to do this. So I'll totally. That.
0: And it's just a bullshit story we tell ourselves. Yeah. You know, my dad thought that by working harder, he'd actually get more for us as a family. And the reality was, like, he probably would end up with the same amount of money anyway. And what we really wanted, to hang out with our dad, you know. You wanted, you wanted him home. I wanted him yeah. to teach me how to ride a motorbike, but... That never happened. That yeah. never happened, right?
2: Well, let's chat about some of the reoccurring things that you see through your business. So, like, you work, obviously, with a lot of tradies and mm. majority of our audience is tradies. What is coming through the door? What's the main problem that, you know, early stage and, like, small business owners out there have? What are they coming to you with?
0: I think the early stage diagnosis, mate... <laughs> is uh, an addiction to uh, working harder, as, as we've just talked about, and, and this idea that business has to be hard. Like growing a business, being successful, it's hard. It's a challenge. Um, you know, it takes a long time. You've got to do, you know, if you do 40 hours a week, well, 60 is better, um, and that's going to get me there. Uh, that's that's one of the, I think, really dangerous approaches to business. Um But some of the most common things is just people working their guts out, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Had a young bloke a while back working over 70 hours a week. So he's on the tools full time doing a, you know, a 40, 50 hour week on the tools. And then either side of that bracketing the day is paperwork and bookings and, you know, trying to follow up quotes and doing quotes, you know, doing drawings, all sorts of stuff. And that's five, six days a week. And, you know, it's, it's, just this uh oh i don't know i, I don't want to be too critical of everybody but uh and, and look i've learned this the hard way as well but it but it's just the idea that more is better and more is not better um the other thing is is just not learning more about business you know it's it's not actually that complicated right you guys have probably figured that out Money in, money out. Um, you've got to do things that bring the money in and then you've got to limit the things that make the money make go out. Yeah. Um, business itself is a simple formula and we teach our, our members and our followers, you know, some of the simple side of business. And I think it's actually be, been made really complicated by a lot of people, um, particularly in the trades. It's like, and this is what I say to people, right? You could be the best builder, tiler, whatever. You could you could be winning awards left, right and centre for the quality of your work quote unquote right um and you could still fail in business because it's you're not going to be rewarded especially in 2019 for being the best craftsman there's plenty of starving artists around right um you've got to be good at all of it and in actual fact with trades being such a fantastic first option for so many people you know there's a lot of talk in this country about the skills shortage but i see a lot of skilled trades out there it's probably easier to employ a tradesperson these days than it is to find someone to work in your office. Yeah, because there's so many people doing trades that there's a there's a fairly big pool of talent.
2: Do you, Do you think that tradies are harder to upskill in the business side of things? Because you know, obviously, the journey to become a builder, you do your trade, you come yeah. through, and then you're all you know, whiz bang! I can do everything on the tools now. I'm signed off. Yep. Now I want to start my own business. You know, when I did my mature age apprenticeship, there was no business coaching at all. Mm. You know, you just get to the end and you're signed off and you're like, sweet, away you go. And I know a lot of people like that we've worked with, again, really good chippies, but they didn't want to upskill in the actual business side mm. and it just destroys them in the long run because they're not, not profitable. How many people yeah. do you tell, oh, this is what I do? And Blake's like, I need that, mate.
0: Too many, mate. Too many. Too many. I, I think too many... And trade business owners or tradies uh i don't i don't know if they're scared to learn about it or if they've convinced themselves that they can't learn about it and the number of times i've heard over the years of oh was well, i'm just no good with numbers i'm mate. just a dumb tradie mate exactly i'm just a yeah chippy i'm just a tyler i'm just a dumb mechanic and it's why like, is that i i, I challenge them on that it's like where did you get that shit from yeah. what's just a dumb mechanic where why is that? I don't know. Maybe it's a society thing. Um, maybe it's just the people that are attracted to the trades are still, you know, maybe university wasn't the option for them. And while I talk about here, you know, the beautiful uh, unicorn farts and everything about trades being the first option, I think the reality is still and you've only got to look at the media, right? At at the tradey bashing to use a wank word, but tradies are seen as this um other part of of business, you know, this other part of society almost yeah. and it's shit house. I got really fired up the other day. I stopped at the survey to fill up with fuel and I see the marketing, you know, tradie Tuesdays. And it's a picture of a friggin' sausage roll and a, a coke and it's all shit food. And I, and I sat there. I took a photo of it and I was going to jump on Instagram and have a big rant as was tends to do. And uh and I thought this is bullshit. Like tradie's just cuz you're a tradie doesn't mean you eat shit. Like plenty of accountants eat shit. Mm. I did for years, and I was going to have this big rant, and then out of the survey comes two blokes in high vis with sausage rolls and, <laughs> and you ice bastards! Brux. Yeah, yeah, I was Good like, marketing. damn it, I can't, I can't do that now." But yeah. yeah, it's like there's there's this sort of undercurrent of tradies are you know they drink more, they're they're more likely to get in fights, they eat shit. Like it's just a really crappy. Um, they, fall they fall into that persona. They fall into
2: that quite easily that whole marketing side like most people do sure i think that's yeah it is that reoccurring theme but it's interesting like how are you breaking through to to blokes so to say look this is you know you guys need to upskill in this this side of your business because i could you could be working you know like you're saying 70 hours a week Mm -hmm. i can you can be working 40 and making the same money
0: exactly how do you i I think a lot of it is actually getting them to become aware of what they're doing and and it's the old story about you don't know what you don't know and th- and that's where tradies in business so was born. Get out there, there. find, find out, out what you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I used to, I used to, I've spent a lot of money over the years, hundreds of thousands of dollars on my own sort of, you know, non-university education, which has actually been much more useful than the three years I did it at uni learning about business and accounting, which didn't teach me shit, by the way.
2: Because you don't have something to implement it into. Well, not only Is that, that
0: it? but it's but it's textbook theory. Imagine mm. sitting down and reading the bloody timber manual. A, as a young chippy. It doesn't make sense it's not until you teach start pitching a roof. About, exactly, yeah. right? You're not going to go and nail up a frame just by reading a friggin' book. You've got to get out there and actually make implement it. I've, I've learned more in the last 20 years by running my own businesses and coaching people mm. in, their own, in, in their businesses than I could have through 50 friggin' university degrees because it's all theory. And you know what? It's all written mm. by a bunch of academics who yeah. don't actually – with all due respect, don't live in the same world as trade business owners. Yeah. Um, so I, I used to have a mentor and say, you got to think outside the box. And I'm like, how do I think outside the box when I'm in the in box? I live in the box. Mm. Like, I can't just think outside the box. So I think programs like ours, and, and there's plenty of good ones out there, need, well, have an opportunity to show people what they don't know and say here's some stuff that you might not know have a look at all that any of those things make you a bit yeah. scared or weird and it's like holy shit yeah I didn't know I didn't know all that stuff mm. like cool well if you learn about these things that's actually going to change your life yeah
1: do you think it's a massive problem and this is what I've seen from my own experience as well you come out of your trade you know and you walk straight into you know doing business for yourself but it's fast paced it's got to be fast and you got to keep the work coming in and you got to keep flogging it and keeping the boys going and then taking that leap where you want to upskill or you just stop you got to break that cycle of doing the same old thing every day mm. it seems to be such a huge problem you know that point there where you, where you take the leap of faith and you're like, right. Oh, this is when I'm going to change I'm take it to the next level. Yeah. Right, I'm, I'm going to change this. Cause, that, cause then when, cause if you stop the money stops and the, and you know, everything stops, right? And that's the, that's the Absolutely. mentality,
0: right? But so you, you said something really important, Dan is, you know, you, you get your trade and then you go into business for yourself, right? But you didn't. What you did was you, you found some other people who were going to work as tradies with you. You give them some money You don't actually have a business yet, right? You're actually a self-employed trader. So you work for yourself. And that's what my dad did his whole life. He never had a business. Yeah. He worked for himself. So it's why it's called self-employed, right? You're working for the biggest lunatic on the planet, and that's you, (laughs) right? Because they don't give you breaks. They don't pay your annual leave. They don't let you have weekends off. They don't let you sleep at night. They're constantly annoying the shit out of you about all this stuff you've got to take care of. And that's your boss. Right. So self employment is it can be a nightmare until you actually transition into the business that I guess a lot of people have that epiphany one night at three A. M. when they're sick of lying, they're sweating about the invoices and the quotes and the how they're gonna pay the wages tomorrow. Um, and they go, That's it, I've got to change something. That's when they actually start to go and find out about business. Yeah. And they might have been running their, their business for ten years before that or twenty years. I've seen people come to me after twenty years in business, quote-unquote, and they're still working the hardest. They're doing the most time on the tools. They're the ones that are going out at 4 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon to do a job because none of their employees will do it because you can't actually make them go and do that stuff Mm. on a weekend. Right? The buck stops with you. But the business owner goes and does it because, like, oh, but if I say no to that $150 job was that might be the end of my entire business, Mm. which is just such a crock But I think it's. But Mm. people
2: like sitting around telling people how busy they are. Exactly. Oh, mate, mate, I'm so busy.
0: Wear it like a badge. It's like, oh, mate, I work so hard. My my dad's done it his whole life. Yeah. Look at that. He talks about his struggle, he's defined by his struggle. I wonder
1: what. It's interesting. I wonder what the end point is for so many operators out there. I wonder what that vision of success finally looks like. At what point do they know that all the hard yards that I've done have paid? You know, yeah. What are that? But
2: I don't think enough people are probably setting goals. Like, do you have enough people that come in and you're like, righto, what's your goal for this year? They're like, uh, to keep the business going. You're like, oh, uh, sweet.
0: You you just nailed it, mate. That is the most common response I get over the years of whether you want to call them goals or intentions mm. or ideas about the future. It's like, so, mate, what are you what are you creating here? It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, well, well, what do you want to achieve? What do you want to get out of your business? Like, yeah, mate. If I can if I can just make another ten grand this year, I'll be happy. And that's the sort of thinking that mm. is not akin to a business owner. That's the thinking of an employee. It's of a wage earner. Yeah. Because that's where we started out, right? I started in a job. Yeah. I started out looking at my salary and I figured out how I could save a little bit of that or, you know, buy another Commodore and, and you know, color code all the bumpers and shit Lower in the garage. It. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a VL, a Milo tin on the eighty six VL Commodore. Had the Pursuit wheels. I got the whale tail spoiler kit. I sprayed it up in the garage. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) But that.
2: I I think it's interesting. Like the last podcast with Rob Gray, his mindset compared to your everyday business owner. It's like he's found his niche. He looks at, he's fully on about the team dynamic, making sure that everyone's across everything. Their communication's up. uh, They're setting goals. Mm. Like he's, you know, we do eight to 10, one to two point, you know, $2 million jobs a year. And then that's it. And now we're trying to branch into, you know, low level, um, like apartment buildings and Mm. stuff like that. But he knows exactly the direction he and his brother are taking their business. Mm. There's so many tradies out there that are just, you know, Better get into her again on Monday
1: and we'll just keep cracking along. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, right? So we're only, population of Australia is only growing rapidly, right? So that's only going to lead to more houses and a bigger, you know, market for construction, building, all that yeah. type of stuff. huge. So what can a, a business, well, a self-employed tradie out there at the moment, what can they shoot for? Like what can they achieve, you know, by, by putting a bit of structure around, around their
0: business? Oh, mate, we've, we've got, Young guys, you know, like probably your ages, you know, 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, early 30s, personally making two, 300,000 a year from their business and working maybe 40 hours a week, 30, 40 hours a week. Uh, you know, they got managers in place. Uh, we, we've got a guy, he's got like, I think his count is like 25 staff. And, uh, you know, this bloke's 33 or something, 34 yeah. um, in a trade. He started out – he sort of started working with his dad and then went on the tools himself. They had a half a dozen fellas. And um, and this bike's taken over the business 10 years ago. And in 10 years, he's got a $3 million business. He's pulling 300K. He's got investment properties. He's, you know, got time to spend at home with the family. He's every second Friday off, doesn't ever work weekends, doesn't answer the phone anymore. Like, he's got – Yeah, he's got that freedom. That. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? He's He's stressed out sometimes – can you tell me why? Because he's not doing enough. Because he's not working. Because he's like, I feel bad. I can't
2: sit here with my own thoughts, Was f- Give me something to do. I feel
0: bad going home at 12 o'clock on a Friday when I've got staff out there working in the in the 35 degree heat, crawling under houses. I, ca- I just can't do it. I'm like, mate, this is what you've worked for. This is what you've this, worked this hard for. This is why
1: you once crawled
0: under houses. That's right. <laughs> but to him, he's just a dumb trade Trading, right yeah. and so he's got this and it's an identity thing it's one of the biggest things I've, I find even when people come to us and say righto that's it I want to turn this thing into a business what do we do and we teach them all that and they implement some stuff and it goes really well and they start making more money and then they get to the edge of the cliff right and and it's like they can see that they can jump to the other side where they, they're like you know your previous guest talking about that true business right and it, that means letting go of their identity as a tradie mm. And I find that's actually one of the big hurdles, especially for the men out there, is coming to terms with the fact that having a trade business is not the same as being a tradie, right? And we, we all become so attached to our identity, as whoever we thought we were yeah. and that's what needs to change and that's where i love to to work with people is is in shifting the way they see themselves the way they think about themselves about business about you know being a dad or a wife or a leader that's where where i love it's to work min- with people it's that yeah, mindset awesome. it's that mindset so when someone comes to you what
1: does it look like what do those first steps look like when you take the plunge you know right i'm going to i'm going to go spend a bit of time with was and see if we can't <laughs> get this shit running smoothly. What is that? What do those first stages look like of, of breaking it right down?
0: The, the first thing generally is to look at the boring business stuff, right? Because you've got you to have some fundamentals in place. I mean, business is business. You guys know that and, and your listeners probably know that as well. You know, you've got to look at be, look at your cash flow and marketing and systems and your recruitment and, you know, what you're doing with your staff, culture and all that sort of stuff. So you've got to have that in place and that's generally the first step is to make sure that you've got that in place and, you know, depends on the business, depends on the person as to how much work they've got to do to get some of the basics in place. But running alongside that is actually starting to ask the hard questions about, so what are you doing all this for? Like fast forward 10 years, mm. what what's happiness look like for you? And like you guys were saying, most, most of the time it's like, mate, if I'm still alive and I can get out of bed and there's this sort of, you know, bullshit tongue-in-cheek humor about it like again it goes back to that work and hard thing yeah and so it's actually challenging people to think about their life you know the way i was in some ways forced to do where it was like hang on i'm 43 years old i've just lost everything that i know what is actually important to me in life and so i've actually i've been rebuilding my life based on a new set of values you know around time around family around money uh you know it's just it's very different setup even in my own businesses and how much time i do in those and how i structure all of that based on knowing what my values are and what's important to me yeah um and that's a big piece for for people to actually make change in their business is to have a look at themselves and go well what the hell is important to me does this business actually support that yeah is this direction supporting that or do i need to do something differently
2: how often do you see tradies that are in business that have financially stress themselves out with the credit card and the debts, but they hate being a tradie and they can't go do anything else. Do you see that? Is that often? Paint
0: themselves into a corner, yeah. Yep. Because it's just the pathway they go down. And sometimes changing that's really, really hard, but you can always change it.
1: Mm. It's hard to break the mould sometimes though, isn't it? I think a lot of people find it super hard to bust out of that, you know, image of what life should look like by... Getting out of school, getting a career, getting married, having kids, and then passing it on to them to do the exact same thing, right? Absolutely, yep. But that's pretty. It's kind of bland. One of, one of our
0: guys is a, well, he was a roofer, and for him, rock bottom was falling off a roof and breaking his back in four or five places, really? and that was his catalyst. He was okay, luckily, you know, still getting around, fine, no wheelchair or anything else, but. That was enough of a wake up call for him to go stuff I, this. I can't keep doing this shit. Yeah. I got, you know, two or three kids, whatever he's got, and a wife and and so for him he actually then learned about business. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he went and actually invested time in his own education about so what's this cash flow thing everyone talks about? And and yeah. what about collecting money from people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Profit margins. Yeah, so,
1: so true though, but isn't it funny? You can listen to every podcast in the world and that's all great. No, we no, can, just listen to this one. You can do it. <laughs> just listen to this one. And mine. mine was yeah. it, sorry. You can listen to one twenty <laughs> grit and you can listen to trading business till the cows come home. But sometimes it's not until you have that life changing moment or that, you know, a bit of trauma or something that just like snaps you. Yeah, but out they of need it.
2: that they they need that little push and yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, and that's like, not no matter how much you listen to it. Oh, and that's that's the reality of, of the whole thing isn't it like yeah. it's it's finally the choice lead a horse to water
0: absolutely and and I think you know something I want to do is lead more horses to water so that they've got the choice yeah and and they can see that there is an option yeah whereas a lot of people out there just go yeah but this is it mm. this is as good as it gets that was my dad you know being a tradie Warwick you're going to be physically wrecked and broke so you're going to university don't do this was exactly what would you what would you say
2: it would, would something that every trade business out there can implement now that will instantly help them? Like what is the first one easy thing to just look at this or start working on this?
0: I reckon the biggest thing is for them to start looking at their numbers, measuring everything and looking at their numbers. I know that's a boring part that that I just said before, you know, the boring stuff that's, that's not the most important piece, but in terms of starting that realization that, Geez, I don't know what I don't know about a whole bunch of stuff here is instead – I'm not, not not talking the bank account, right? Looking at the bank balance at the end of every day to see if you can pay the bills tomorrow, that ain't looking at your numbers, yep. right? I'm talking margins on jobs. I'm talking all of your overheads compared to a budget, uh, your cash flow forecast for the next 30 days, uh, how old all of your debtors' payments are, you know, your accounts receivable, it's like – how overdue are all of those and how much have you actually got sitting out there that people owe you how much work have you got in the pipeline as far as dollars signed up on quotes like actually drilling into all of those numbers because that's the one thing they do teach you at university and through accounting is the language of business and the language of business and knowing whether your business is doing well is numbers yeah and you can sit there and tell me you're a dumb plumber or a dumb spray painter or whatever and you're just no good with numbers and you know what? That's going to be your lot in life yep. until you choose to actually you know, put that shit to bed and go, you know what? I suck at numbers so I'm going to go learn about numbers. Right? I bought a mountain bike recently. I suck at mountain biking. So guess what I've been doing? YouTube videos on how to ride a freaking mountain bike. Yeah. Right? You
1: just bloody pedal the pedals, was. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> going down a hill. A you play. just bloody hang on for dear life. <laughs> just
0: go faster, Waz. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah it's awesome and i think there's
1: probably a lot of tradie businesses out there who are i mean from my yeah my experience as a tradie or self-employed you know trying to be a business owner you are stuck in between suppliers clients all these sorts of things and you're dealing with high numbers big numbers materials are expensive invoices are expensive as well you know and you're all on 30-day accounts and all that sort of stuff and waiting for payments and all of those kinds of things. And uh, you, it's not just dependent on you sometimes, is it? You know, you're, you're relying on other people to like pay there's you. There's a lot of zeros it. flying around. A lot of, yeah, a lot of and, moving parts. And a lot of
0: responsibility and risk these days. I mean, we've got had some really good changes across industries with safety, with compliance. Um, you know, we've got some funky stuff going on here in Queensland with a uh, particular industry commission, um, you know, in the spotlight a fair bit. Uh, and so there's been some good changes, but that also brings with it a hell of a lot of risk to a trade business because, you know, you're responsible for the personal safety of all of your employees, um, for the quality of the work that you do. People can come back at you down the track. You know, there's legal implications with all of that stuff. Yeah. So wouldn't you want to actually make sure that you're doing all that properly? Like you wouldn't just jump in a friggin' Cessna and go, yeah, I, I watched a few YouTube videos on how to fly a plane. I reckon I have a crack at this. Like, that's what a lot of tradies are doing with their businesses. It's like, yeah, you know what, I got... I got a trade. I can build houses. I'm going to go into business. Yeah. I got myself an ABN. We're sweet. Let's go. Hook in.
1: I heard a story of a kid who had to land a Cessna on the weekend. <laughs> it was his first flying lesson, and they took off. and The pilot, his his instructor pilot, slumped as soon as they took oh, off. Yeah, he landed no, it though, and he got onto air to and learn he learn got learn onto air traffic control, <laughs> and he's going, "Oh well, me me instructor's just slumped here, and I've <laughs> got control of this yeah, thing." So yeah. they're talking him through it, and they're saying, "Geez, you're doing a really good job here. Keep you know keep it going." And he goes back to the radio control. He says, "Yeah, well, you know, my instructor did say I was the best, you know, <laughs> student that he's <laughs> had so far. His first lesson. <laughs> what a what a what a goer. What, um, you it? what I was going to say before that Cessna.
0: Yeah, that was a good story, mate.
1: Mate, yeah, <laughs> uh, thanks. <laughs> I've no got idea. plenty more. It's an um, analogy. I like analogies. I think what what is becomes bleedingly obvious is that this stuff that we're talking about here around structuring businesses and you know establishing everything needs to be done straight away, immediately, like." Yeah. Yep. when you are just getting into it. If when you can start, start right, yeah. if you can start right, set the foundations and establish everything, you know, in a scalable fashion, well... Build it like you build a house, mate. Well then, yeah, start exactly, with your foundations. You, you don't... Analogies. Yeah. <laughs> pull some string lights. Come on, mate, you're going to have to catch Flick up. Flick it
0: maybe. out. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? You do a building apprenticeship, they don't just stick you on a, you know, a million dollar build in Tenerife as your first project. It's like, There you go, man. Good way to learn. Just jump straight in. in. Here's the plans. And that's that's how so many people start their business. Like, you know what? I'm just going to have a chop at it. Now, I'm all for having a go. And I think one of the best ways to learn is to actually have a go. And I think a lot of us have have sort of lost a bit of that Aussie, just get in and have a go, mate. And I think that's a really good way to learn. But, geez, you'd want to do it after having watched a few YouTube videos first, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. YouTube. How do I start business? How to pitch a roof? I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's probably some content out there, and maybe I need to get on YouTube, mate.
1: mate. Oh, you can learn anything on YouTube these days. Always
0: be flexing.
2: Love it. <laughs> well, it's been great was. What would you be what would be your first tip to anyone out there that wants to start their own business?
0: Well, apart from going to tradies in business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh I think um, figure out what you don't know about business first, which is hard. You know, that's like thinking outside the box or outside the square. But go talk to some people in business and, you know, talk to some of the other tradies, the, the subbies or, you know, someone you know that's, that's been in it for a while or, yeah. um, you know, made a meal of it, whatever. But just go say to them, what do you wish you knew? Yeah. And, you know, Audio. that quote we heard the other success day that leads success leaves clues. leaves clues. Absolutely. I knew he was going to whip that. <laughs> I love <laughs> it. I love success it. He had that clues. one written down there. Yeah. He's been going to be bust that out for there the last hour. Yeah. Chick. Awesome. Awesome. awesome.
1: Well, mate, uh, been a great chat. If anyone out there listening wants to get on to you to to chat a little further find out about you know what you do although we know what you do now how yeah, yeah.
0: Can we, how can we how can we find you look easiest way is go to tradies in business so tradiesinbusiness.com.au in um, we've got a, a growing group on facebook which is wicked there's some amazing trade business owners in there some of our clients as well in there sharing their knowledge so if you go to the groups and, and find the tradies in business group um, but we're all over social media as tradies in business. So pretty much anywhere you'll see me and my guns uh, <laughs> just hanging out. Kill, cool, mate. I shouldn't have mentioned yeah. that at the start. Should I? Busting You're not the first person, mate. Oh, I was. <laughs> Love it, mate.
2: Appreciate your time. Thanks and uh, mate, keep in touch. We'll, we'll catch you again soon. Down on your
0: was. Yeah. yeah do. <laughs> see you in the car park. <laughs> yeah. We'll do a deal in the car park. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> thanks, mate. All right, see mate. You. right.
1: You've been listening to Trademuth's 120 grit podcast. To watch it online, head to www.trademutt.com or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at Trademutt. Thanks for listening.